Hello and welcome to the Business of Data podcast. My name is Catherine King and I'll be your host. In this podcast, we chat to senior executives from a range of departments, industries and functions, all about their passions, experiences and challenges within data analytics. Let's go ahead and dive straight into today's episode. Hello and welcome to the Business of Data podcast. This week, we are talking all about data and analytics leaders journeys, uh, a discussion that I've had many times, but we've never really focused in on it as an episode. So I'm very excited uh, to talk about this this week. And it only makes sense that we bring in a guest who has had a very exciting data leader journey. So it is my pleasure to welcome Adosa Adario, who's the Chief Data and Analytics Officer for Tawania. Now, just a few intro facts if you haven't had the pleasure of meeting Adosa quite yet. So he has only literally just begun his new role as CDAO for Tawania, but prior to that has worked as head of data for AIG, whilst also serving as a board member for Harper Adams University and non-exec director for Health Data Research UK. Now, if you can't find him at his work desk, you'll most likely find him undertaking some form of sport with the family. Adosa, lovely to have you joining me today. How are you doing? Oh, it's really good to, to be on here, um, Catherine. And thank, thank, thank you for having me. Uh, it's really, really, really good to be here. No, you are. You are most welcome. Now, I mentioned that you, you're doing some form of sport. What's what's the flavour of the month? What's the what's your favourite sport at the moment? <laughs> well, if you ask me what I'd like to be doing, <laughs> then it, my favourite ever uh, sort of combination, if you like, would be sports um, uh, photography, actually, and uh, actually ski photography. Um, but actually, at the moment, being out in you know, in, in a desert, if you like, in, in Saudi Arabia. Um, ski isn't really a, an option. I suppose there is sand skiing, I've heard of that. But um, right, right now, really, is running. Hang on, hang on. Is this photography whilst you're skiing or skiing or photography of people skiing? <laughs> both. And I've done both, actually. So I, uh, yeah, I, I do. I, I take the camera out with me. I, I'm, so I'm <laughs> something that if a few people wouldn't, I suppose a lot of people wouldn't know about me is I'm also a semi-pro photographer. So I, I, I'm a stock photographer in my, uh, in my, my other, one of my other lives. I love it. This is why I love the podcast today. So I've just get I'm just a nosy person by trait and I just find out all these wonderful <laughs> things. But I must admit I have a very entertaining image. And people who listen to the podcast a lot will know that I have a very visual brain. Um so I just have this image of you literally skiing down a slope whilst taking a photo and just, you know, doing it all at the same time. I love that. Amazing. Oh well, I suppose, and, and that brings me uh, uh nicely on to to kind of one of my first questions, which is obviously you've you've made the big move. Uh, from London to to Saudi, uh, lots of different things to photograph over there compared to to uh, sunny Britain. Um, what what attracted you to to move over? What 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 came from that? What was the what was the motivation? Yeah, <laughs> great great question. I mean, to to be entirely honest, I mean, I think there's a, f- a few things. I mean, there's quite a number of things actually. Obviously, moving is a, is a big thing. You know, I've got a young family, and it's very settled in the UK um, but I think for me the move was really driven by a number of things first you look at the organization and uh, it wasn't the move I was looking for it's uh, it's come to me so to speak mm. and you know it was really I had to sort of look at the organization and say look so what kind of organization is this 
you know, one fascinating fact here uh, in, in Saudi Arabia and the kingdom here is that insurance, so Taiwanese is an insurance company, actually the first one here, is, is a very different concept here. So, okay. um, so a lot of people wouldn't know this, but um, here the insurance trade is actually is new. Is is only Taiwanese being the first. It was only late eighties, and, uh, and that's because there is a, a sort of Sharia or, or Islamic sort of concept around that as well. And 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 here it's called takaful, which actually means that where if you think about insurance as the way we might know it in the West or in, or in the UK, mm. it's very much your, the insured transfers their risk over to the insurance company. So if something goes wrong, there you go, sort me out. And over here, it's the Takaful um, ideology is very much around shared risk, um, and which means that, yes, the insurance company covers you, but actually in some ways it's joint risk, but it's also joint benefit. So at the end of the year, you know, we don't spend all the money you've contributed towards the Takaful, if you like, uh, then you get a dividend, right? Basically you get money back. <laughs> so it's just a, fa a fascinating fascinating idea and it's sort oh, of like wow. a it's almost like a cooperative sort of um uh, sort of relationship yeah i love that and obviously i've been been following you you on linkedin uh, during this this movement and journey and obviously before that as well and obviously a call to action for our listeners is to make sure they they connect with you and it's been really interesting actually watching your personal journey with understanding the cultural differences and it's it's interesting actually as you say it's it's so embedded into your role and company as well of understanding those differences of things that we may take for granted um and we do have a global listenership here so there may be some that go yep that, that's exactly how i know it to be and there'll be other others like me who who had no idea uh, of the difference in that so um certainly brings a, a new set of challenges to to your your role as well but before we get into to the the nitty-gritty of what you're doing at the moment I think uh, it would be beneficial and I think it's safe to say that data leaders very rarely take a journey that's a to b uh, it, there's lots of weaving uh, in amongst it and um I'd be keen to understand what your journey has been up until this point before we dive into what you're up to at the moment. Um, so yeah, give, give me a bit of a flavor for that. Oh goodness, journey. <laughs> so my journey certainly hasn't been straight. And uh, I suppose when I think of journey, I, I probably want to look at it from a number of perspectives. So so the, the obvious one, as you can almost tell, even, even here, is that uh, I've had a geographical journey, which, which actually started in many different locations within Nigeria, uh, where, where I was born and, and sort of bred. And, and then I um, moved on to the UK, uh, a couple of locations there, and, and I moved out to Finland. And uh, somehow, if you like, in, the, in this convoluted journey, if you like, I've now ended up in in Riyadh, in Saudi Arabia. So that's one kind of aspect. If you think about, also, I think about the second element would be my learning journey, which actually, would you believe, started of me wanting to be a pilot. That didn't, okay. quite, that didn't quite work out, clearly. <laughs> so, and, uh, and then I looked at, uh, potentially thought about biochemistry, that, no, no, not quite. I ended up in computer science, and um, and that's been great. But also, you think, think about, my learning journey doesn't end and it's you think about being in this trade now in data for over 20 years and data has completely changed and transformed many times over actually not just the once <laughs> over over the years so there's that element as well and then i suppose the 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 other sort of journey i suppose the kind of journey you might be able to pick up on linkedin is really the the professional side of things mm. which is 
has uh, really meandered as well. I, I've had, you know, almost every sort of industry sector there is. <laughs> so I've been in, you know, the, the public sector, I've been in multi lapse I've been in utilities and banking and insurance, media, you know, name it. And so it's been quite a journey, actually. Yeah, yeah, a hundred percent, and and varied for 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 sure. And I think it's it's really interesting actually that that we do draw upon this point that nobody listening will have exactly the same journey as another. And I think that can be one of the huge pros to this, right? Is that you have data leaders from all backgrounds, and you can have lots of experiences come together. But then. On the flip side, you do have that very, very big variety of what it means to be a data leader and the background that you can bring to that. And it was only a few weeks ago on the podcast, we published an episode around, you know, is it better to have a technical background or more business background and or somewhere in between? And I think that speaks obviously to your experiences of being so cross industry as well. You could end up with another debate. Is it better to have a data leader who's been in many different industries and, and drawn from experiences there versus someone who is really, really embedded into one, say, the financial services and really understands the the ins and outs of every element there? And I, I think there's obviously, again, lots of debates can be had uh, there. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> now, you and as I mentioned, you have literally only just began uh, this role and obviously you've gained the CDAO title which I know so many leaders are aspiring to to have that that uh, still isn't uh, in every organization yet and I do appreciate that it is early days but what does that role mean for you day to day at the moment kind of what are you setting that role up to mean as well hmm. yeah absolutely it's early days for, for me but it's also early, early days for for the organization in that there wasn't a CDAO um, role before me so, so there's, there's lots, lots of new there. But I think it, it, it touches actually on another element that's actually brought me here, which is that this is such a, a huge amount of ambition in terms of what we're looking to to achieve as an organisation, but also, but also it, the the entire kingdom, if you like, and region, uh, you know, it's Saudi Arabia. I, I don't know of many, you know, countries looking to spend something like seven trillion dollars. In you know in, injected into the, an economy to actually make it help it grow. So it's it's, it's hugely ambitious. Uh, but I think for me the fundamentals remain in that you know I think again there's a number of aspects to being from from my perspective as CDO, and there's the aspect clearly of bringing data analytics and advanced analytics and technology together and actually making it work for the organisation deliver actual value. But there's also this whole idea of and I think that's something that people don't really think about quite so much is there's a, almost a, a conundrum uh, in that you, you're, on one hand, you're looking at how can I make things quicker? You know, pace mm-hmm. is a big, big part of data, really, especially when you think of advanced analytics. But on the other hand, it's got to remain secure. I mean, we're just actually now in Saudi Arabia um, looking at some new data privacy regulations similar in some ways to gdpr so that's, that's actually been embedded here and there's a huge amount of have uh, three or four other regulators that you know have to look at and make sure we're compliant to making sure that we're also leveraging that to, mm. to as, as a competitive advantage as well and i think you know when you you need to bring all of these different elements together there's also the elements around you know prioritizing and looking at different approaches to delivery etc so so all of those sort of elements are really really important and I think for me the first few days uh, it's really about trying to understand 
really bringing all of these things into the organizational strategy, really. And how do you drive that forward, given all of these different dimensions? Mm, mm. Well, it's exciting that you are the first as well, because you get to really set the tone. You don't have to deal with any kind of legacy of, uh, of relationships with the business and how some people maybe, you know, either really bought in or perhaps burnt in the past. And you can really kind of set the tone. So that's so exciting. I think I'll have to book in to, to chat with you in 12 months time to see how it's uh, how that's gone. Because <laughs> it is. Of course. It is going to be very much, as you say, setting the foundation uh, to, to begin with um, to, to enable success to, to go forward. And I mean, for you, what do you think if, you know, hypothetically, if we did have this conversation in 12 months time, what do you think success would look like for you that you could say, yeah, this has been the first year I've had in this role? Mm. Now, it's a good question. I think that's part of what the setting up at the moment actually is. So, you know, even where you think about an organization not having a CDO, there's very few organizations that haven't had data or initiatives yeah. around data. And so and so it's 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 uh, sometimes uh, almost a misconception for us to think that it's it's actually greenfield. A lot of times, actually, what you're doing is shifting the narrative and shifting the way the perception around it. That's so one of the key things for me, then, is really helping us understand what data value actually means. And to be able to do that, you know, and it's really fascinating, actually, one of the conversations we had, I've had recently have been really about, should you really have a, a, a data strategy over here, whilst the organization strategy is over there? Mm-hmm. And, and really what, what, what is essential from my standpoint is that that data strategy is embedded within <laughs> the actual organizational strategy. And, and what, what do I really mean by that tangibly is that, you know, if you look at an organization and you're looking at a strategy that says we're going to grow by X, well, then what's, what's, da- what's data actually contributing to that? Mm. That's got to be something that is clear, is visible, is measurable. And so if you ask me in 12 months time, I'll be asking you to challenge me as to how much has data actually contributed, physically contributed to yeah. the goals and the, the aspirations, vision of the actual organization. Yeah, I love that. I love that. Now, today we're talking about kind of data leaders journeys. And I think, you know, I think you'll agree with me that a big part of your journey and success has also been around how you've branded yourself as a data leader in that personal branding element, in that leadership branding element. I mean, you just have to look at your LinkedIn for two or three minutes and you can and you get a sense of who you are, what you're about and kind of the you're drawn into that as well. Where did you begin on that personal brand journey? When did it kind of click for you that you were like, yeah, I've got to be telling the world what I'm doing internally because not everyone's there yet, right? Yeah, it's a good, it's a good question. And I can, I can certainly tell you, I wasn't planning to be where I am right now in terms of LinkedIn. I didn't even know where LinkedIn was going to go, to be fair. But I tell you, I tell you, it, it was a, it's a bit of a strange one. It's all started off with, uh, I would say, one of my many failures. <laughs> I've got, I've got, I've got many. Um, it was that I'm, I'm actually, again, this is something that a lot of people might not know about me. Lots of secrets actually coming out here. <laughs> oh my goodness. Well, I'm actually, uh, you know, intrinsically actually quite a shy person. Mm-hmm. And that means I've got stage fright and, you know, I don't, you know, I'm not very, I'm not, I'm not a natural, natural stage sort of um, personality. And so, so one of the things that I thought about, uh, you know, just in terms of my, how do I get to that next level? And this is years and years ago. It was, I need to, I need to fix this. I need to sort it out. I need to face my gremlins all this in, mm. in some ways. And, and that's where it all started from is really about my, my first sort of interaction, I think, from a LinkedIn standpoint, in terms of being a content, uh, sort of on the content side, 
of LinkedIn was actually just to publish a blog. And that was hard because I thought, oh my God, you know, it's going to be rubbish and people are going to think this and people are going to think that and people are going to react and this and that way. Um, but I, as soon as I did that, I thought, you know, there was a couple of things, you know, and, and that's where it's all started from. And that's where it's all started from. And it's just built on from there. And, and it's, it's, sort of in, it's sort of intersects, if you like, with my other passion, which is really around sharing, really about, you know, getting out there, learning um, also by sharing, <laughs> which is yeah. an interesting way to think about things in that I should give, you, you get, you know. And, and so that's, that's where it's all started from. Are you wanting to meet with other senior executives in the data and analytics space? In an environment that is created for connection and inspiration? Then why not join one of our in-person conferences? We have events all over the world, and you can find out the ones closest to you by visiting careniumintelligence.com slash events. Mm, I love that. And I love that you, because this is the thing, right? And, and I get this as well. You know, obviously I am a roaring extrovert. I don't think people need, need me to say that. But at the same time, um, you know, it's taken me, taken me a while to get to where I am in that sense of confidence as well. And I don't think, I think there is a misconception that everyone, especially if you look at where you are in your journey now, they may not understand where you've come from in that sense of confidence to put your thoughts out there to, because that's what you're essentially doing, right? You're, you're throwing your opinions to the lions and hoping that they play nicely with it. Essentially, that's what the internet is, right? Um, so yeah, yeah. so it's, I think it's going to be so fantastic for people to listen to this journey and realize that that you have had your own insecurities around that and how you have dealt with those and and kind of kept them in check to not let them hammer your your own journey and when it comes to to kind of any top pieces of advice that perhaps you could give uh our listeners on on overcoming that you know what what were the sorts of things that you did in a very practical sense to help you uh build build the brand that you've made for yourself No, I t- do you know what? I'll tell you, I'll tell you a, a mini sort of story to answer that. So I remember my first conference speaking event, <laughs> right? And I remember walking towards it. I think it was in the Olympia or something like that. And, uh, and I was walking, I got out the train and I was walking towards this venue and I was thinking to myself, what am I doing? Why am I going here? I mean, this is the worst possible thing I could be doing to myself. But then, you know, and again, you know, this would vary from, from person to person. I straight away started to think, look, what I need to do here is connect things, you know, connect this to something that is less scary. Right? Mm. And, I, and I recalled, <laughs> you'd laugh at this, right? I, re- I think I recalled something like a, a, a stage performance in, in nursery school or something like that, like a, you know, like, <laughs> like a sort of thing you do for like, a, you know, like, 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 you know, like end of year type. Yeah, type yeah, thing. yeah. And, 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 and I, I thought, oh yeah, but I've been on stage before. I've, I've done this before. I've done it. And, and I also thought about, okay, what's the worst possible thing that could happen, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, a bit of a stutter or I forget my lines or whatever else, right? And, and what do you do in that situation? Do you sort of, you know, and, and it's, it's really so sort of playing out the worst, your worst possible fears and just, and just going with it, you know, and, and it went, went really well. You know, I was, I, was, I was very, very surprised how smoothly it went. And that was the start of it. So, so what I would say to people is really, first of all, really know why you're doing what you're doing. And for me, it was really about, you know, of course, that desire to share, but also the fact that I knew that that was a development point for me and I wanted to do that. Uh, it wasn't it wasn't really a marketing thing for me personally. It was really yeah. about a development thing. So to be true to what you're trying to do. And then secondly, I'd say, look, you know, with most things, you can find, you know, analogies, you can find 
elements of yourself that actually make it feel less novel, less new. And, and that becomes an anchor for you. Mm, I love that. And I, I love that you draw on that authenticity piece because when, you know, when I've seen you, like, you know, when I was w- watching you on LinkedIn before we first jumped on a call uh, months and months ago and kind of connected, I don't feel like there's a difference in the narrative that I've I've heard because you were authentic on LinkedIn to the point of when we picked up the phone and you're the same person. And I think that's one of the huge things that I've noticed and it's, it's very jarring in fact when you get on the phone with someone and they're not who you were expecting and then it completely flips your your view of them because I think it's got to be consistent um as you say and it's got to be authentic to, to who you are as a person and why you're doing it as well now something that the listeners may or may not know is obviously you've uh, actually recently published your own book as well as part of this kind of journey of of sharing your thoughts with the community and being very active tell me a bit about the book tell me what drove you to to write it <laughs> yeah you know it's funny because you know I, t- I talked about how writing my first blog was a scary scary event and now writing a book you can imagine the the, the scale of scare of, of scary <laughs> right is moved, moved up a few notches but listen you know the reason I wrote that uh, you know making data work is really that you know it's a few things so the first one is you know I've been in this trade now I've been in data for for quite a long time and I think you know, we alluded to it in, in you know, in, in, at the start of this chat that the, really my journey has been a meandering of all sorts of different things going on. But one thing has been consistent in even, even after I've, having experienced 20 something companies internally and maybe 30 something, you know, sort of arm's length is really that, you know, the same issues come up, right? It's just the same frustrations, the same issues, uh, you know, everyone complaining about, you know, everyone excited in some ways about data, but mm. complaining that you're not actually getting what you expect. And it's really interesting. And so that was one of the things I wanted to say, like, here is the frustration that I, I've felt and I've seen people feel. But then I wanted to also come up with the, the those things have actually worked. There's actually shifted from frustration to actually, you know, aha, wow moment. Mm-hmm. The things have, where things have actually worked and what's actually made that happen. And there's also some consistency there in that I've been fortunate to have been in a number of organizations and, you know, some of those essential things have worked in multiple places. And so you start to see a bit of a pattern. But also, I I suppose the third thing for me is that because in the way I've written this book, I have not only brought myself and my personal experiences (laughs) into it, but I've also been quite fortunate that um, in my postgrad, I had a lot of my, my research was actually around data, would you believe? And uh, and so there was a huge amount of material there that was quite relevant uh, mm. in terms of broader research. And I've brought that also into the book. Uh, and and it all connects actually to the things that have actually worked. <laughs> yeah. So I think uh, what our hope is that this makes it very tangible for people in terms of finding actual tangible solutions, but also you get confidence from the fact that it's not just my experience, which has been quite varied, but also backed up by research. And that's um, that's why I wrote it. Love it, absolutely love it. And that's obviously available on Amazon and all the usual places that you would go and purchase a book. But considering, Adosa, that we're, we're telling secrets on this podcast, am I, allowed to, <laughs> am I allowed to mention the second book? Am I allowed to talk about yeah, that? 
you are you are yes i know, I know, it, sounds it. <laughs> I, I know it sounds crazy I can, my wife my wife is uh <laughs> you can imagine that uh you know she's looking at the first book and thinking okay thank goodness that's done and then there's a, and then there's a second one <laughs> yeah it, it, it is true it is true and i haven't revealed this to it to anyone so it's that this is yes another secret um so <laughs> exclusive there you go so yes i i am writing a, a second book indeed yes um, and then I suppose the question would be, you know, you've written this book about making data work. What could a second book possibly be? And I think what, what, what it is really for me is really building on the first. I mean, the first is really about the how to. And really, I think for, for, the, for the second book, it, it builds on that how to make data work to actually drive through to value. And, and, and really value, of course, by making data work, you can say it's intrinsic, but I think where people really struggle is how do you articulate it? How do you talk mm -hmm. to the board about it? How do you talk to your management about it? And how do you measure it? And, you know, and, the, and, the, and the, look, to, to be honest with you, uh, Catherine, there's, there's books out there, there's fascinating books out there that talk about value in the granular detail, you know, almost what does that attribute? How do you, how do you evaluate that? But unfortunately, the problem is with some of um, the, the people I talk to, you know, I've been fortunate to be on a couple of boards and, and I've interacted quite a lot with, you know, obviously senior management execs and, and boards as well, is that that kind of sophisticated value, uh, you know, sort of uh, perception isn't, mm. it doesn't really sort of talk to people like that. So how do you find the balance between being really vague and, you know, you just need to spend money on data and being really granular at the other sort of extreme? And how do you make it really um, work for, for the organization? I think that's what the second book is really trying to do, rebuild on the first um, into really helping people uh, navigate this, the, the challenge, if, if you like, of delivering data value. Absolutely love it. Always, always good. And I think uh, we, we've been having some chats here internally with so many uh, brilliant leaders bringing out these fantastic books from their experience that maybe we should start up a book club. Uh, so so <laughs> see, watch this space uh, for, for things like that. But um, Adosa, the, the last question I always like to ask on the podcast is what are your kind of big takeaways from what we've spoken of, spoken about today that you want our listeners to be thinking about as they uh, go off into the rest of their day from listening with us today? Hmm. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's, that's a big one. There's so much, there's so much there. I think, I think, but for me, if I was to distill it down, then I would say there's probably two or three things that'll be essential uh, as, as a takeaway. So the first one, would hopefully be obvious by now is really about understanding your to what end you know so what is it essentially that are you trying to achieve and, th and this works not only for ourselves as, as individuals it's, it's the sort of question i try to answer from an, from an organizational standpoint as well right really really deeply understanding your to what end your purpose um we're trying to end up but i think the second thing especially from an individual standpoint is really to say you know it's great to know where you're trying to go and what you're trying to do, but you've got to act, you know, it's really take that step, act. And, and um, you know, you'd be so, so amazed at what that action can actually bring. And the third one would be quite obvious in some ways in that, you know, those actions don't have to be big. And sometimes you think about, oh my God, I've got to do this. But if you break it down into what's the next 
next you know step I need to take mm. right now, or what's that one step I can take that is going to be able to give me the sort of maximum effect, if you like, and and so uh, that's the way I like to do my things, and that's how I like to <laughs> how I try to achieve. You know, if you think about even writing a book, it's you know it's a couple of words at a time, it's a few scribbles here and there. It's really about taking those you know minute sort of steps to get you on that journey and get you started. Those yeah. are three things I'd say. Wonderful three things they are. So the next time you and I connect will be in July for the Global Business of Data Festival, where you are joining us and you're going to give us a bit of a flavor for your your well, what you've been talking about today, but even more so because obviously you'll be a little further down your journey as well. And uh, we have lovingly titled it Telling Your CEO No. And obviously that's not directly relating to your CEO by any stretch, but about setting up the the parameters in which you can succeed in the expectations and, and all the rest. So I'm excited to dive deeper into what we've discussed a little bit today and about the, the successes and challenges that you will have uncovered in between now and then. But for nowadays, uh, it's been wonderful and I look forward to uh, catching up with you soon. Oh, it's been brilliant, Catherine. Thank you for having me on here. Thank you. Available now in the show notes is a 20% discount available on the Making Data Workbook that Adosa has written and we were talking about there. So just click into the show notes wherever you are listening and you have access to 20% off. We hope you enjoyed that podcast episode. Do be sure to subscribe and follow the Business of Data podcast wherever you're currently listening to ensure you're always first in line to the latest episode. We'd also appreciate your review as well. So if you are listening on Apple Podcasts, please consider leaving us a review. And as always, find us on socials as well as heading over to the Business of Data platform for more forms of great content, including articles, blogs and video. Until next time, stay safe, stay well, and we'll see you real soon.